Good morning and welcome to Real Life Church. Man, we are so expectant of all that God is going to do through us this morning. So whether you're with us in person or joining us online, stand to your feet. Come on, we're going to worship Him together.
so good. Man, the battle, we can lay at his feet. We can leave it there. It's not ours to carry. Man, there's freedom in that. Washes over 
said I said hey let's give it up big for God this morning he's a good God isn't he man we just believe that God's doing something big here at Real Life Church and that 2024 the best is yet to come man it is an honor to have you in the house today hope you're excited hope you're having a great start to your morning so far there's another group that's actually hanging out and worshiping with us right now that's called Real Life Church Online I'm just wondering hey everyone in the room can they hear you this morning let's make them feel welcome Welcome online. Glad you're here. If you're in the room today, equally excited to see you here. Will you take about 30 seconds and greet someone around you? Make someone feel super welcome. so awesome. I love seeing you guys out there just connecting and maybe learning some new names this morning, making people feel welcome. I love to see that. Go and have a seat whenever you're done with that. I just want to welcome you again to Real Life Church, especially if you are brand new with us this morning. I want you to know if you're brand new, you are our honored and special guest. It is a, a privilege and a joy for us to have you here in the house today, and I'd love to give you a next step. Under your seat, or on the seat next to you, maybe somewhere in your area, you're going to find a connection card. And on that card, I would love for you to fill out as much information about yourself as you feel comfortable doing. And I want you to mark the box that says, first time at real life. Now, I want you to, to know this, because, you know, I'm, I'm talking about putting some information down there. I promise you, no one from Real Life Church will ever show up at your door unannounced. What we want the information for is we would love just to reach out to you digitally this week, mail you something in the mail, just connect with you, let you know how welcome you are, and maybe even have a chance just to learn more about your story, see what's going on with you, and just answer any questions about God, about real life, just meet you where you are. That would be a blessing for us this week. So fill out that card, hang on to that, at the very end of our gathering, our ushers will come by with buckets. That's when you'll throw that card in there and we'll get that from you. That'd be great. If you do call Real Life Home, this is that all skate moment. You can also take that Connect card and fill out your information. And there's um, opportunities on there for you to uh, put down some prayer requests, share some praises. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on at Real Life Church. Maybe you want some more information about it. You can mark the box on there. And we would love to connect with you as well. So go ahead and take a moment, fill that out. And again, we'll throw that in the bucket at the very, very end of this morning's gathering. Well, guys, Real Life Church is a church on a mission. And that mission is to see people 
far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And, and point blank, souls matter to God. And that's just the heartbeat of everything we do. It's related to, to souls in our community, people that maybe we're close to, but they're far from God. How do we reach them? How do we invite them, make them feel welcome? So maybe that's on your heart too. Maybe you're not planted currently in a church anywhere. You've been looking for somewhere to put down some roots. I just want you to know you've got a home right here at Real Life Church, and we would love to walk side by side with you on mission. And again, that Connect card, a great way to get more information about how to do that. Well, guys, you know it, I know it. This world, man, it's just, it seems just bent on driving us down, right? On tearing us down, on, on making us feel separated from God. And, you know, honestly, sometimes we get so caught up in things, we start to even feel a little bit entitled. But man, what if I told you that God is, what if God is waiting uh, to bless us? He's waiting patiently on us to finally turn and seek him, right? Like he's there, he's got something for us, and we're just too blind and too distracted to see it. Well, we're gonna continue this morning with an awesome story about a guy named Gideon. So if you were here last week, it's gonna kind of pick up right where we left off. And just this awesome idea that our, our best weapon in the fight, our best weapon is worship, right? Worship is a weapon on the spiritual battlefield. And so we're gonna see how God just turned Gideon into this mighty warrior for God. And speaking of mighty warriors for God, I am excited to welcome to the stage our very own Barry Hardy, because he's going to give us a word today. You make him feel welcome. It's going to be a blessing. Take it away, Barry. I don't know about warrior. There, there are some upcoming warriors in this in this church, and they're known as the Holcomb Boys. Do you guys know the Holcomb Boys? I like to mess with these boys, and in about 10 years when I show up with two broken legs and two broken arms, you'll know what happened. They got their payback. Man, what's up, Real Life? You guys excited to be here? Man, I love this message series. I love how Sean's been building it out, talking about building my faith. And I know in the city of Kansas City, you guys' faith was tested a little bit last Sunday, wasn't it? Were you guys scared at all? Were you guys worried? I, no, Tony wasn't worried. I know Tony had, you know, Tony had all the faith in the world. Somebody reminded me of a quote that I hadn't heard for a while this morning. There's no atheist in foxholes, right? Everybody believes in God. And I can tell you what, there's no Chiefs, king, or just Chiefs fans in the kingdom that don't believe in the power of prayer in the fourth quarter when Mahomes is trying to bring them back, right, and, and, and score that last touchdown. So it's exciting. We're going to, you guys get some more information a little bit about next week. Kind of revolves around that a little bit. So uh, we're excited about what the Chiefs are doing, but I'm more excited about you guys building your faith and taking some of the heroes of the Bible and, and hearing their stories and seeing how that can apply to us and, and what we can get out of that, what God's got for us. And Sean's been doing a great job just starting with uh, so many different of these heroes, and we've been spending the last couple of weeks on Gideon. So if you got your Bible, we're going to get to him in a minute. If you've got your Bibles, you want to throw them up? Yeah, look at all those Bibles out there. Man, you guys are awesome. We're going to be... In uh, Judges chapter 7, we're going to be uh, the last half of uh, 24 and verse 25 in a minute. But just I want to give you guys a, a quick recap of who Gideon was, if you guys have missed any of the story so far. So Gideon was, uh, he was a nobody, right? He was uh, of the nation of Israel, but his family was the least of the least tribe. He, and he was the least in his family. So this guy named Gideon, he was anybody that anybody was ever going to know. They wasn't going to know his name. But during his lifetime, in, 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 the, in those years, 
Israel was being oppressed by an enemy called Midian. And, man, they were coming through. They were taking their crops. These guys were hiding in caves. In fact, when we meet Gideon, he's hiding in a wine press threshing wheat, right? That doesn't make sense. But that's what he's doing because they're so afraid of Midian and just the guys that come through and just take everything. So in the midst of that, Israel cries out and God sends a prophet. And the prophet's like, hey, guys, when the Lord brought you out of Egypt, he said, don't follow the gods of this land. But you guys didn't listen, and that's what you did. You allowed the enemy into your camp, and this has been a judgment on you guys. God's using Midian to judge you. But I've heard your cry, and I'm going to do something about it. And so God shows up to Gideon and says, hey, Gideon, I'm going to use you to, you know, to get rid of these, this enemy, to take out Midian. And Gideon's like, me? And how many of us are like that? How many times have you had a call in your life where God's asked you and put a, you know, told you that you were going to do something, called you to do something in your family or it's your job, or maybe in ministry, and you're like, me? Me, Lord? And that's what Gideon faced. And Gideon faced a, an army of a magnitude that most of us can't imagine. Over 135,000 people, they came into the land of Israel. And this is what Gideon's being challenged to do, go take care of it. So Sean's really laid out the story of, 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 of Gideon interacting with God, testing God, laying out the fleece a couple different times. Uh, last week we talked about God told Gideon to go into the enemy's camp, Right? To go in the enemy's camp and see what the enemy really thought, because so many of us, we think the enemy has this power over us that he doesn't really have. And when, and when Gideon walked in, he took a servant, his, a servant of his because he was scared, and he walks in and he hears these two guys just over-talking, having a conversation. And one of the guys of the enemy had a dream. And he said, you know, he, he relayed this, and go back if you want in, in, in Judge, uh, Judges chapter 7. It's just an awesome story. But he, he tells this dream about a barley loaf knocking down this tent, and this other guy's like, well, I know what that means. He goes, that, that barley loaf, that's Gideon, and he's the son of Joash, and he's going to be given a victory by God, and he's going to take us out. Can you imagine being in, in the Midianite army and knowing that this guy is coming after you? Is somebody that just was a nobody in recent memory is now has a name because God is moving, and he's building his faith, right? And so this is what we're going to pick up here in a minute. And what I want you guys to lay out is Sean goes through the whole story of uh, Gideon calls out to the, to, the, to the tribes right around him, and 32,000 men show up. And God said, that's too many people. And he whittles all these men down to 300. The, what would you say, Pastor Sean, they're the original 300? You guys seen the movie, right? These were the original 300. This is way before Greece. And so he says, I'm going to give you the victory through these 300 men so that Israel can't claim that I did it in my power. And so God said, this victory is going to be mine. And so Gideon goes into the camp, he gets this confirmation, then he hears the enemy talking, and he knows God's in this for sure. So he gets his 300 men, and he takes these guys. We would think of these 300 men, right? We, I, I think of them like they're like the special forces. They're the Navy SEALs, SEAL Team 6, right? They're going in to kick some booty. Is that what you guys think of when you hear this? These are the tough dudes. And so I can just see these 300 just, you know, surrounding Gideon. He's like, Gideon, all right, we're ready. What do you got for us? And he goes, you know, I would, if, I'm, if I'm those 300, I'd be like, all right, here's an AR for you. Here's a tank for you. You know, here's a machine gun for you. That's not what Gideon resources them with. Gideon's like, hey, I've got something really cool for you. We're going to take these guys out. Each one of you guys get a trumpet. Is there any trumpet players in here? Nope. Oh, I figured we had a trumpet player in here somewhere. Somewhere. You, you, one more, oh, yeah. You taking anybody out with a trumpet? Not yet. You get a trumpet, you get a torch, and a jar. 
He goes, and here's what you're going to do. I want you to follow my lead. And I'm going to split this up into three groups of 100 because you're going to put your torch in the jar and you're going to hold your trumpet in your hand and we're going to surround the camp. And so I want you guys to, to pick up with me in this moment of Gideon and these 300 men surrounding 135,000 people. And, and again, I think we gloss over some of this stuff too quickly. We say 300 versus 135,000. So if you take both gatherings, we probably have a little more than the 300 people here. But if you take both gatherings of real life, that would be like all of you guys surrounding an army the size of probably like Lisa and Greenwood connected. All the people that live in that area. Would you guys be confident? Would you guys be ready to go? Take out those guys from Lee Summit and Greenwood? Sorry if there's anybody in here from Lee Summit. Yeah, let's go get them, right? 300 of us, we got this. But they followed the man of God, Gideon, and they surrounded him. So pick up with me in Judges chapter 7, verses 19, sorry. And Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, so in the middle of the night, just after they had changed the guard. And then they blew the trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And while each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. So all these guys are just going, they're getting woke up and they're going nuts and they're just running out everywhere. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. These guys started killing each other in their own camp. And then the army fled to Beth Shittah towards Zerorah and as far as the border of Abel Mahala near Tabith. And the Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. Can I tell you guys, when the battle comes and God's called you to be in it, God's going to be there and show up, right? How many of you guys have faced a battle in the last six months, in the last year? Maybe you're in the midst of a battle right now, and you're not sure that you have the resources to walk into it. You're not sure that God's got this. Maybe this, you think this problem's too big. God can't fix this. Can you imagine being those 300 men surrounding a group of people, an army of 135,000 men that said that had camels without number? Now, that's being outnumbered. But when God's in it, there is no enemy that can withstand what God has called you to do. And that's being a man of faith. That's being a woman of faith. Realizing that God has called you to do something, to enter into that battle. And he's giving you the resources. And sometimes things don't make sense. And that's what, that's what I, I'm sure there's 300 men in Gideon at, at some level were asking themselves. I'm really going into battle with 300 men with a trumpet, a torch, and a jar. Is that really what I need to fight this battle? But again, whose who's, who's is the victory? Is it men or is it the Lord's, right? So in the battle you're in, we think we have to accumulate all these things that are going to win the battle. Enough money, enough prestige, enough influence. And if we don't have those things, we don't think we can win this battle enough willpower, whatever it might be, whatever your situation is, whatever your battle you're in the midst of, having faith means believing that God has called you to it. And that's what Gideon did. And that's what those 300 men did. And it, God uses the common things. God even uses the weak things. And that's the story of the Bible, story in and story out. Very rarely does God take the most powerful person to win a battle. 
You can go through the Old Testament, you can go through the New Testament. God is in and he lifts up the weak things, the things that the world looks down on. And that's what I love about a church like Real Life. You know, there's, as far as I know, Sean, there's no, there's no billionaires in here, is there? If you're in here hiding, we would like to talk to you, right? But there's nobody in here that's running companies of 20,000. Nobody in here that's a commander of an army of a million, right? But when I look at you guys and, and I look at our staff, I look at what the world would say is common, ordinary people. But if you know your stories, like I know some of your stories, a lot of your stories, I see things that the world calls common that God lifts up, that God uses. And even in the midst of us sometimes not believing that God's going to, God does. And whether we're in life groups or somebody else gets up here to speak, you get to see how God moves and moves in the battle and uses people that didn't think they had enough, thought they were a nobody. And in that battle, God was glorified because the men and women of faith showed up in their faith when God was, was, was recognized and, and revealed and the battle was, was won. Why don't you guys pick it with me in verse 25? And it says this, so all the men of Ephraim were called out and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Beth Barar. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb, and they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. Kind of convenient, right? They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. Plot twist. Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. But he answered them and says, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abiezer? God gave, and God gave Orb and Zeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? And at this, the resentment against him subsided. So here's the interesting thing. When we walk into a battle or God's called us to something tough or something hard, and we actually, we actually get to that spot where the battle's actually started and we're in it, and we see God show up and God's winning. And as people of God, people that, have, that are in church and, and, and are, are working and serving with people of God, there's something sometimes interesting that shows up and happens. And I've seen it in my life, and I'm sure some of you have seen it in your life. You have some family, some friends, some people that are close to you, right? And they show up, and they did show up, and you needed them. But what happens on the backside? They come and they, they tear you down a little bit, right? And they, they hurt you. And, and, and this tribe of Ephraim was known as a, a they, were a, they were kind of a prideful tribe, right? And you see some stories later in Judges where they had some more issues. And my encouragement for you guys is this, in the midst of the battle, there's gonna be times where some people that you thought might have your back, they, they show up at some level, but then they tear you down too, right? And sometimes it can become a discouragement. And sometimes in the midst of that, we want to give up on the battle. Like, well, maybe God wasn't in it. But can I tell you guys that the, the, those, those people, those uh, family and friends that you have, people that you've worked with, people that you consider close in ministry with, sometimes they have other issues going on that shouldn't distract you from the things that God's got for you. Because some of the things that they may be dealing with would be arrogance, insecurities. Because I can see Ephraim's like, Man, look, you guys are just routing this whole army. Why didn't you call us? We would have helped. And they never considered the possibility that maybe God didn't want them in at that point and that their place was a little later in the battle. Maybe there's something that God has called you directly to do on your own at the beginning is that step of faith. And then God wants these other people to come and surround you and lift you up 
And, and sometimes they do it the right way and sometimes they don't. But it doesn't affect what God's called you guys to do. And in the midst of your battle, you can't let those, those things that surround you discourage you. In fact, I love Gideon's answer because if I'm Gideon, I'm like, hey, jokers, I'm going to take you out next, right? And, and have you had somebody in your life that you wanted to take out and, and deal harshly with? But Gideon was wise in, in dealing with his brothers here because they're his family. And, and again, they did show up. And he said, hey, look, he goes, you guys are so important. You guys, look, look what you've accomplished. You got these princes of Midian. What have I done compared to you? And so Gideon, in the midst of giving them a godly, uh, wise answer, he was also recognizing something else. Is that even though Gideon was trying to make these guys feel better, Gideon was saying something true. This wasn't about Gideon. This was about God. And that's what Ephraim missed out on because they thought it was about them. And they missed the point of the battle. They missed why Gideon had been called. And so that's the same thing for you and I. We have to keep our eyes and focused on the real reason why we do what we do. It's not for other people, and it's really not even for ourselves. It's because it's what's right, and it's what God has called us to do to make an impact. And here at Real Life, we say we do that here in this community, across the nation, and really across the world. And so uh, the Gideon's answer to this was so beautiful, and I love it. And so I want to jump into the next part. Read with me Judges chapter 8, 4. And this is this play. I want to stop for just a minute. In verse 4, it says this, Gideon and his 300 men, exhausted, yet keeping up their pursuit, came to the Jordan and crossed it. I'm going to try. Can you guys throw this map up here? I don't know if this guy's going to help you or not real quick, because you're not going to be able to read it real well. But you guys see this little circle up there? That's the Valley of Jezreel. And that's where the 300 guys surrounded the army. And when they blew the trumpets and, and they screamed or they shouted to the Lord, the army of the Midianites split in two, and half of them came down the left side of the Jordan River, which is the blue in the middle, and that's where Ephraim got the two princes. And then on the other side, the two kings that we're going to meet in a minute jumped across the, the Jordan. And so here's my point for, for showing the map, and you guys can take that down. When it comes to the battle, so many of us don't ever finish the battle God's called us to, right? We get tired. It gets too hard. We've done enough. We change the parameters of what victory looks like. And sometimes we don't go as far as what God's called us to. And I know this is just one verse, but man, it is so packed. Because the battle's not over till you accomplish what God has called you to accomplish, right? And so Gideon could have stopped on the Jordan. They already, at this point, they've already killed 120,000 men out of the 135. They could have declared victory and it would have been over. But what was the reality of that situation if Gideon had stopped? What he really would have done is let the two kings go, and he would have been creating space for the enemy to come back later, right, with another army. What are the battles that we only go halfway in, that come back to bite us? Because we didn't go as far as God called us to. I think of a lot of different things. Maybe I've been around a lot of people in, in, in the regular world, and, and they do this, like, well, I'm going to do my job just good enough to get a paycheck. Right? I'm not going to do my job to the level that God has called me to do and to, to bless my employer. Or how about this? I'm going to live a, a spiritual life on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, that's a whole other animal. And there's this division that we just go halfway. What about an addiction? Something that God's called us to get rid of, something to fight. What kind of addictions do you defeat only go by going halfway? You don't, Right? An addiction has to be killed all the way. 
What about marriage? I've heard this. What is marriage? 50-50, right? If you've heard Pastor Sean give some awesome marriages, uh, uh, sermons, that's not true. You never go just halfway in marriage. Because if you only go halfway, you're not going far enough. Because both people have to go 100%. A great, healthy marriage never stops halfway. Because then you put the onus on somebody else to, like, to take their half. When God's called you to invest your whole life to that person that he's given you to. Surrendering to God, surrendering your life to God isn't a halfway battle either or a halfway call. What has God called you to in your life? When we talk about uh, surrendering to God and giving God everything, what does everything mean, guys? This is easy. Everything means everything. But a lot of times we'll walk into a situation, God, you can have this part of my life, you can have that part of my life, and you can even have this part of my life, but this is off limits. And you can't have that because I don't want to give it up. And I want to keep that for me. But that's not what Gideon did. Gideon gave everything. He put his life on the line. Those 300 men that followed him, they gave up everything. They put their lives on the line. I love this verse, Matthew 22, 37. You don't have to turn there. Love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All your heart. With how much of your soul? All of your soul. And how much of your mind? All of your mind. When it comes to continuing the battle, you can't stop halfway. When it comes to surrendering our lives to God, we can't stop halfway. When it comes to being a church that's called to see people far from God, we can't stop halfway. And for every person in here, what God's called you to do may be a little different. We're not called to do what Pastor Sean does. We're not called to do what Holly does. But each person here has a role to play in the kingdom of God, and it's a star role. Just because you're not on the stage, doesn't mean that God doesn't use you, that God doesn't take your life and influence the people that we'll never, ever see. The continuation of the battle is the most important part of this story, I think, is because Gideon didn't stop halfway, and he knew the victory was what God had given him. Continue with me in in Judges chapter 5, sorry, verses uh, chapter 8, 8 through 9. I think I wrote that down wrong. He said, and he said to the men of Succoth, give my troops some bread. So pick this story up. So Gideon has just crossed the Jordan and he's pursuing the other part of the army, okay? And he comes to this town called Succoth. He says, give some troops, give my troops some bread. They're worn out and I'm still pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, who are the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth said, do you already have the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna in your possession? Why should we give you bread? Why should we give bread to your troops? And then Gideon replied, just for that, when the Lord has given Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, I will tear your flush with desert thorns and briars. He's going to beat these boys, right? He's not playing around. That's right. From there, he went up to Peniel and made the same request of them. So he came to the next town, and he's given them the same story. But they answered, the, they answered as the men of Succoth had done. So he said to the men of Peniel, when I return in triumph, I will tear down this tower. Gideon knew that God was going to bring the victory. God didn't bring him this far to let him fail. And it's the same thing for us. When we're walking through these, this, the, the, the mountaintops, everything's cool, right? But when we get in the valleys, we can't take our eyes off Jesus. And really, that's oftentimes where we grow, uh, grow closer to the Lord in the midst of the suffering, in the midst, of, uh, the midst of the pain. The things we don't understand, why this is happening to me, 
Or how do I get through this? Victory is still in this because God is in this. And there's always going to be naysayers in your life. And they may not even be outright enemies. They may not be the Midianites. And they may not even be our brothers that showed up and helped a little bit, even though they gave us some grief and they were, you know, pains. You will have people in your lives that won't believe in what God's got for you. Right? You guys ever, have you ever been there? Even people that you think should have been there, they're like, really? Where's, where's the hands of, uh, the hands of Azeb and Zamuna? I love those names. Don't you guys love these names in the Old Testament? They're a class. I, I will give, I don't know what I'll give, but I would love to see, Brooke, I know you're getting close. I'm thinking, Zeb, what do you think, Brandon? Nope. Yeah, I'm getting a thumbs up back there. I like it. Zeba and Zamuna, you guys, there's two you could pick. Love these names. So we might not have, we have some people in our lives that may not be outright enemies, but they're holding us back. Because you know what they're really telling us? They don't think that, that God's in it with you. They don't really think that God's got a call in your life. What they're really saying is, is that you're a nobody, that God can't use you. We've all had that person in our life. And here's the crazy thing about these guys. They crossed the Jordan, but you know who these people of Succoth and these people of Peniel really are? They're not a foreign nation. These are Gideon's cousins. They were part of Israel. They are a people that should have known better. In fact, here's a crazy fun fact for you guys. I love history. I don't know if you guys do, but you're about to get an awesome one. You know what Peniel means? It means face of God. Do you know what happened there earlier in Genesis? That's where Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. He wrestled with God, and his name was changed to Israel. A blessing was put on Jacob in this place called Peniel that these people lived. If everybody in Israel, these people should have known that God works in time and history and moves in men of God's lives. And they should have seen this in Gideon. But what? They were scared. They didn't believe in Gideon. I don't know. But they're like, you don't have the victory, do you, Gideon? We're the two kings. You let us know when that happens, and maybe we'll help you out then. And Gideon has a, a righteous answer. And he says, I will have the victory because God is going to bring the victory. And when I come back, I'm going to handle my business here. This is we send Pastor Sean <laughs> to take care of business, right? And it's interesting to see how God uses a man of faith like Gideon to bring into account people like the people of Succoth and Peniel. And we'll get back to these guys in a minute because the story kind of wraps up a little bit around them. Pick up in uh, chapter, uh, verse 10 for me. It says, now Ziba and Zalmunna were in Karkor. So I won't pull the map back out, but if you saw, it's all the way down back in the bottom. So Gideon has gone all the way from, if he was right here, to probably as far as like Springfield. He's gone a long ways to chase these kings down. And the kings were feeling safe. You'll see that here in a minute. And all that were left of the armies of the eastern peoples, the Midianites and all their, all their friends, 120,000 uh, was uh, 15,000. All that were left, sorry, let me start that again. Now Ziba and Zumunna were in Karkor with a force of about 15,000 men. All that were left of the armies of the eastern peoples, 120,000 swordsmen had fallen. So in the midst of that battle and then chasing them down, 120,000 people were already dead. And all that was left was 15,000 people. And Gideon went up by the route of the nomads east of Nobah and Jagabah and attacked the unsuspecting army. They let their guard down again. And Ziba and Zalmunna, the two kings of Midian, fled, but he pursued them and captured them, routing their entire army. 
Gideon completed the battle. He took out the army, captured the kings. And then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle by the pass of Harris, and he caught a young man of Succoth. So he's captured the kings, and he's on his way back. He's going to show everybody that God was fighting for Israel. And so he caught a young man of Succoth and questioned him. And the young man wrote down for him the names of the 77 officials of Succoth, the elders of the town. And then Gideon came and said to the men of Succoth, here are Ziba and Zalmunna, about whom you taunted me by saying, do you already have the hands of Ziba and Zalmunna in your possession? Why should we give you bread to your exhausted men? And then he took the elders of the town and taught the men of Succoth a lesson by punishing, him, punishing them with desert thorns and briars. He beat these boys. He said, you didn't believe in me? God's called me to judge you in the same way that the Midianites were judging you, and you should have known better. This is a righteous judgment. Get in line. And this would be an encouragement, I would say, to the people around us. I'm not telling you guys to go out and beat people. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. There might be an occasion. Maybe. But here's a, a, a broader takeaway from this. When you go back to people, hold up the victory of God to show them what God actually did. Here's the victory. It wasn't me. It wasn't the 300 men. It was God. And you should have known better. And now maybe this is a chance for you to take a lesson from that. People of Succoth. He got a little more harsh with Peniel. He said he also pulled down the tower of Peniel and killed the men of the town. Sometimes there's collateral damage, especially even in ministry. We like to think that everybody is always gonna get along in the church world and it, sometimes it doesn't happen. As much as I wish that it would, sometimes things go sideways because people get in their own way. People, men, women of God, sometimes put themselves first. They let the fear of the Midianites, they let the fear of the enemy get in the way, the fear of not having enough. And they'll try to hold you back from the battle that God's called you to. You can't let the naysayers stop, step in and hold you back from what God's got. God's faithfulness is vindicated here. And he says, if God makes a promise, who's gonna keep it? God will, right? So if God's promised you something, God's given you a battle to fight, even if you don't know why in the midst of, of, of the season that you're in, know that God's got this. It's gonna require a little faith though. But God that has called you to the battle will complete the battle for you. Judges 8 verses 18 through 21, read this with me. And then he asked, this is Gideon, and then he asked Ziba and Zalmuno, what kind of men did you kill at Tabor? Tabor is another town. Apparently there was another incident, even probably before this battle that it had just happened. And they answered him and said, men like you, they answered, each one of them with the bearing of a prince. So what they're telling Gideon, they're like, Gideon, they were, they were just like you. They, 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 they seemed like a prince, seemed powerful, royal. And then Gideon replied, those were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As surely as the Lord lives, if you had spared their lives, I would not kill you. But they didn't, did they? And here's a really interesting turn. Bible's full of these, right? So Gideon, turning to Jether, his oldest son, he said, kill them. But Jether did not draw his sword because he was only a boy and he was afraid. And then Ziba and Zalmunna, the king said, come do it yourself. As is the man, so is his strength. So Gideon stepped forward and he killed him and he took the ornaments off their camel's necks. Gideon finished the battle that God called him to. And here's the interesting thing for you and me, I think. 
I can't imagine, in some ways I can't imagine this, but it, it, it would be weird because I don't think a lot of us have been in, in the midst of battle. I know there's some veterans in here, maybe you have, and you, you, you have a, a better understanding of what this is like. But when Gideon asked his oldest son to kill the kings, I don't think he's, he was asking him to do something that you and I would consider like bad. What he was really trying to do was this. He was trying to teach his son a lesson. And it was simply this, is that when an enemy shows up and God's called you to do something, you do it all the way. And it goes back to the original point. You don't fight a battle halfway. The interesting thing here is this, is that it would've been really easy just for Gideon just to step up, knock out these two guys and be over with. But I think Gideon was trying to do something bigger than that. Gideon was trying to leave something bigger than himself behind because he knew one day that he was gonna be gone. You'll see later in the story, there's other things that, that go on in, in Gideon and his family's life that they wanted him to be a king. But Gideon knew that he had to be faithful to what God called. And he wanted that for somebody else. And that was his son. So in a sense, Gideon was trying to build a legacy. He'd already brought his son with him into the battle and he was wanting to play a major part of it. And as people of God, we're called to do the same thing. Because as you conquer your enemy and you fight your battle and you accomplish things that God has called you to do, that's awesome. And that is a powerful thing and that is a God thing. But it can't stop right there, can it? Because maybe God's gonna use the victories in your life to set up the people that come after you, that come after this church. Maybe God's going to use us to build up the next generation. And we call that legacy, right? And a lot of us would say, well, that's the job of the pastor. That's the job of the staff. And I would say, no, 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 it's not. It's the job of every person in this room because we've all got battles and you've all got people that we care about, people that we can influence. We talk about Gideon being a man of faith, right? I would say the 300 men that followed him had just as much faith as Gideon did, right? Would you follow some guy that just had a dream? It said he was gonna take out these 135,000 people. It'd be tough. But maybe there was something special about these 300 guys because they saw something special in Gideon. And I think about these 300 men and I think about the people that come after us because maybe these 300 men, they weren't the special forces of Israel at that time. Maybe they were just the ordinary uh, farmer, the ordinary uh, husband but maybe they'd experienced something so tragic in their life, they knew the enemy was real. They saw Midian coming through and taking their crops. Gideon saw Midian coming through, taking his brothers. In the fog of war, there was probably things done to, 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 to wives, to sisters. Use your imagination. War is horrible. So maybe these 300 men were people that had been broken and beaten and destroyed. And they knew the battle was worth fighting. And so for us, when we have the victory and we win the battle, we can't forget about the people that are still out in the world. The people that are still getting beaten down, the people that are broken, the people that have no hope, they have no purpose. And God's called us to build a legacy. And you can do that so many ways. And one of the things I love about this church is you can jump in a life group and you can influence somebody. And you can grow a friend that can become a brother or a sister. Maybe you can jump 
on a dream team, legged, uh, dream team spot and serve and jump in, whether it's teaching the kids or greeting somebody in the parking lot. Because a lot of people look at the parking lot crew like, well, that's just the parking lot crew, but that's the first face that somebody new sees when they show up to church. Maybe somebody hasn't been to church ever or in a long time and they're scared. They're like, man, why am I even here? And they see a smiling face at the door. You're playing a star role. You're building a legacy. And then you can teach somebody else to do that. You're gifted. Maybe you jump in a legacy lane. And we talk about using the resources that God has given us to give back, whether that's investing in a building for the future or building or investing in foreign missions. Diane's right now coming back from Cambodia. What an awesome thing that we can do to help build a legacy, to give a purpose to people that don't have it. Because as Christians, oftentimes we get so self-consumed, like the people that sucketh, We've seen the battles won in our own lives, but we look at somebody else and are like, well, I'm not sure God's moving in your life. And the people like Peniel, we should know better. And we should see God moving. And we should help build that legacy and bring people into the kingdom. Because that's really what God's called us to do. God's called us to take the example of Gideon, Gideon and that story of the man of faith, the person that was a nobody, an ordinary guy that nobody knew about, and take the victory that God has brought to destroy the enemy that was in his life. So each person of each person in this room has an enemy. You have a battle. And God's called you to do the same thing. Take that step of faith. Be like Gideon. Destroy that enemy. Don't go halfway. Kill that addiction. Heal that marriage. Be a part of a ministry, part of the dream team that impacts not just yourself, not just the generation tomorrow, but the generation forever. It is a mission worth living for. Would you guys bow your heads? Father, we come before you. God, we realize that as, as, as we walk this journey called life, that many, many times we, we get so fearful and so self-consumed, we don't even enter into the battle. But when we get to that spot, God, and you've allowed us to build our faith, God, I pray that the people of God fight the battles that you've given them. And so I wanna talk to, I wanna talk to you guys that call real life home. Are you in a battle today? If you're in a battle today, would you raise your hand? I would love to pray with you. Maybe there's something you guys are going through. Man, there's hands everywhere. Can I give you guys some encouragement today? Maybe that enemy is so big, you don't know how God's gonna do this, but can I encourage you? If you take the path of humility and you put God first in your life, God's gonna fight that battle for you. It doesn't mean that you're not required to do anything because you are in the same way that Gideon had to take those steps of faith. But man, God's got this. So if you raise your hand, I'd love to pray with you. God, you see the hearts, you see the hands of the people that raise their hand. God, you know the battles in each one of their lives, whether they're addictions or financial issues or relationship issues. God, I pray a blessing on each person here that is fighting a battle. God, I pray that they take the steps to rely on you and put you first. God, I pray that, that you take those pains and suffering that they're going through and you build them into men and women of God that change not only their lives, but the lives of those around them. I wanna pray for one last group of people. Maybe you're here today and you've never been in church or it's been a long time and you don't know what it's like to, to, to call Jesus Lord, but you know that there's battles in your life that have absolutely destroyed you. And you didn't know you had somebody that would fight for you. You thought you were in this on your own. And so 
If you're here today and you're without hope and you're without purpose, you're without a Lord, you're without the God that created you to have a relationship with him, I wanna pray for you. If that's you here today, I won't, I won't call you out, but would you raise your hand and allow me just to pray for you? If you find yourself in that spot and you're looking for something, yeah. So if that's you today, I wanna to encourage you, this is the day that you make this real in your life, that, that you know that you have somebody out in front of you that is going to fight your battles. And so today you're making Jesus Lord. And if that's you, I would encourage you to, to, to pray a prayer that I'm gonna give you guys. Pray after me. Now, this prayer doesn't save you, but your heart before the Lord, your attitude towards what you want and what you want with him and for him and from him is what saves you and brings you into the family of God. So if that's you today, pray something along these lines. God, I've been destroyed by the enemies in my life, the enemies that I've allowed in and the enemies that I've even created through addictions and, 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 and destroyed lives and, and relationships. And God, I'm done with that. God, I want victory. I want something better in my life. God, I want you because I know I can't do this on my own. And God, I know that I'm not enough. God, I know that I've come short of what you want for me and what I'm supposed to be and who you've called me to be. But God, so today, I bow and kneel in humility in an attitude of acceptance as a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. God, take my life. God, take everything that I've got and God, use it just to expand your kingdom. God, bring me into your family. God, allow me to play a strong role in the things that you have in this world. And God, I will give you all the honor and glory from now to eternity, amen. Can we give just a huge round of applause for everybody that made that decision? Man, I am, I am so encouraged just to be in a church with you guys, to see people, men and women of faith, that just lay it on the line every week, every Sunday, every Monday, week in and week out. Thank you guys for your heart. And just keep in mind, as Pastor Sean comes up, is that the battle is one that is worthy to be fought because we have a king that's worthy to be served. Come on, give it up for the Lord. Come on. Man, what a word. Uh, excited to see what God's doing through this series. It's uh, it's amazing. This whole thing's birthed out of one verse in Hebrews. And, uh, man, there's just spiritual gold all throughout this. And so uh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. You just feel the spirit of God moving. And, uh, man, we have victory in the Lord. And some of you guys remind that today, that uh, this is God's battle. Amen. And uh, just bow down and worship and let God just take the reins and uh, just see what God does. It's encouraging. And we're going to finish up next week, but uh, I said get in one week. Now it's like four weeks. It's awesome. So uh, it's cool to get the Bible and you can read somebody's name and go, yeah, I know about that boy. And uh, so it's exciting to see what God's doing through the series. But some of you guys uh, said, man, I put my faith in uh, the true victor in Jesus today, uh, that he is going to win the ultimate battle in your life, the victory of your sin. You're going to give that to him. And so I want to encourage you guys, um, on your connection card, you're going to see this little thing that says, like, commit my life to Jesus, give life to the Lord Christ. And I want you guys to just check that box. And what it's going to do is going to help us follow up with you and get your first steps, the right steps. Uh, it's easy to kind of hear about Jesus and kind of do your thing. And you get around a community of believers that are praying for 
for you and encouraging you. Uh, first thing to do is e- or mail you, not email you, but mail you a book and, and uh, kind of help those first steps. It's only 100 pages. Come on, somebody. Um, and just it gets you some encouragement. You got a red bag in, in the back. You got a Bible, list of resources for you. But, man, if you start a relationship with Jesus, let us know and want to help you every step of the way. Uh, you know, Barry talked a lot about win the victory. Uh, there's so many um, really significant steps you can really take. And uh, this first one is probably the most important in this season. Uh, we have our spring life groups uh, that kicked off. We're starting our third week today. Um, there you go. A few people just couldn't help themselves, man. Just like shout it down. And uh, man, there's victory found in groups. And uh, it's easy to kind of float. As a pastor, you know, about you have a, like a, a flock, right? Like a sheep. And, and you know, like somebody's in trouble and they go off by themselves. They kind of disappear. And the enemy just kind of you know, just gets them to think they're all by themselves and it becomes real easy to have an open season, you know? And uh, when I see people get in groups, I see victory happening. And the Bible says in James 5, 16, that, that when we confess our sins to one another, that there is healing that happens in our life. There's, there's something special that happens in relationships. And uh, the, really the words I think of are me too. Oh, I'm not the only one. Like, oh man, you struggle with that. How did you make it through that? And those stories of really boasting in Jesus and uh, on our weakness and his strength, encourage our soul, we leave shaped and changed. And so I would encourage you, even if you're not in a group yet, or maybe like, oh, I didn't have time and all this stuff, uh, can I encourage you to consider going to a group and say, you know what, which one do you have for me, Lord? And if uh, if you don't have any, just let me know, no, but I'm assuming it's a yes until then. Come on, somebody. Uh, just give it a yes, and then God tells you a no. Uh, I had to say it last week somebody, it's like, oh, I don't have this, like, did you pray about it, you know? And uh, some of you guys, I'll say this. There's something significant that happens when somebody hands you a sword. You know, Barry talked about that a little bit. Like his dad wanted something for his son that he had never get. His dad never handed him the mighty warrior speech to his boy. And when you have someone in your life that's saying, God's been faithful to me and you can do it, and you hand a sword for Christ, that's what happens in life groups, amen? And so you need those spiritual encouragement, those relationships. And if you're not getting that, you don't have that, this is really the thing you need to be part of. And so uh, and jump in, don't be shy. They're, I mean, the leaders are fantastic. Uh, we pray in every group and we bow down to worship and uh, you need to get a sense of what God's all about. Some of you guys are called the lead groups, by the way, too, right? Like you're the person that needs to be passing the sword out. Um, you know, some other stuff coming up, missions this year, 2024. Uh, we got two trips to Columbia. Somebody texted me this week, they joined the, they wanted to go. And the, is there room? Yes, uh, there's room. And uh, I'm telling you, actually, if, uh, I'll say this. And we got a lot of leadership going on our first trip, which is really cool. And uh, I've been praying like, okay, Lord, I don't know how exactly we're gonna run the you know, Sunday morning that Sunday. We're gone, come on somebody. And I was like, well, maybe we just won't, right? Like, I don't know how it's gonna happen, Like, but uh, I'm going, you know, nothing's greater than the missions just shutting down the church and going on missions, amen? I mean, why not just go? Like, we'll be on mission that Sunday. So I'm, you'll be praying about June because I'm like, Lord, you know, you're doing something big. Um, but be a part of this. You know, missions is, it, it's cool to go. And like, yes, it costs money and that's a small part of it. And yes, it costs time. And that's that's part of it. And it, it does change you and you get to see another culture, which is amazing. And that's part of it. And there's a lot of things that are like part of it. But the thing that it's all about, missions is really about worship. Uh, it's really about there's people who are not worshiping Jesus who need to see Jesus in such a way that they worship him. And so missions exist because worship doesn't, amen? And we get to go across the world and we get to encourage some saints that are leading. There's a stop some school. And man, there's been two times that we've been to this to, with him where he's been pretty much on the edge of, not with doubting his faith, but not knowing his calling. And we're like the only church showing up, amen? 
because God's put this in, in, in us in his life. And it's been cool. And uh, I'm telling you that there's a, uh, the hand of God is on what's happening there. They've been in this weird season of transition. And uh, if you don't know the story, that's fine. But uh, you know you know when you see a mighty warrior and they're a little downcast and you show up and like they get their strength back? That's been us for them. Amen. And then we get to bring the gospel to the, a different culture and people worship Jesus because we came, not because of us, but because of the glory of God. And that's what Gideon did. That's what we want to do. And so we can see people worship. And, and it's not just, obviously, not just overseas. You might say, well, I can do that here. It's like, well, good, you should. And uh, But it's both and, amen. It's not just here in our culture. It's across the world. And so I would encourage you to pray about going on the trip. And uh, like I said, tell God yes and see if he gives you a no, right? Uh, it's $1,800, $2,000 to go. Um, and it's one of those things, like, there's no greater time in your life where you get to kind of peel back from the world and see the hand of God move. So really encourage you to be part of the trip. Who's been on one of these mission trips, by the way, in the past from our church? Who's your hands up high? Okay, so a few in this room. We've probably had about 25 people go on these trips, but it's been really, really good. Um, the way of encouraging you guys to really be evangelistic, uh, you know, bring worship to people here in our community. Next week, we're doing something very special. It's going to be Football Sunday. Come on, somebody. These little, these little boys uh, keep showing up as men for the battlefield, so it's been good. And uh, we get to celebrate and uh, encourage our chiefs. Uh, I mean, who would have thought, you know, five years ago, you're like, okay, you know, like Chiefs, you know, whatever. And it's been cool. So it doesn't get old, you know. If you're not a Chiefs fan, too bad. We're going to do it. We love you. Um, we wish you, you wish you was you too. You'd be boasting, but uh, it's good. So we're going to celebrate, have a good time. And uh, 10 o'clock only we're going to do. So uh, kids ministry in here. And what we're going to do after 10 o'clock, by the way, come in your uh, favorite football apparel. Okay, there some people won't be Chiefs, all right, but you come to your favorite football apparel, it's going to be awesome. And uh, But after the 10 o'clock, we're going to have a huge tailgate party. We flipped the room with tables and stuff, and uh, we're going to have, you know, all the, the high-vee specialty brats, baked beans, Lord help you later. You know, we're, we're going to do all the things, and um, it's going to be awesome. So, you know, bring somebody, and I encourage you to hang out after. Make plans. Don't just cut out after, the like, we get done in here. Like, come hang, like, meet some people. You know, being poor, but we don't always get the opportunity to fellowship as much as you want and to, to hang out and do that kind of stuff. And so I will encourage you to be part of that. We're going to finish up the series uh, with Gideon. I promise this is the last week on Gideon is, is it, but it, man, it's powerful. So uh, I want to encourage you guys, when you guys give, as God leads you to give, your giving is action, act of worship. Uh, yeah, I think about giving in the very beginning in Genesis 4. Here, here, here you have Esau, right? And he gives his first fruits and it's approved by God and worship God because he's returned to God what God's given to him. And, and so when you give, just know that that's like a saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I'm returning you what you've given to me, and I'm going to make you big in my life, and I'm going to hand you my very best. I'm handing you my first. And so, you know, not all giving is worship, though. I'll say that. Uh, if you give begrudgingly, if you give like, oh, Lord, I don't know. if I, I can't really live with that, but I'll do it. If, if you give out of duty, if it's not cheerful, if you give second, third, or last, it's not worship. Amen? Amen? I mean, it is what it is. Like, I'm giving to you, Lord. I trust in you. He doesn't need anything from us. <laughs> Gideon, right? I mean, we, we, we just return it because we want his blessing on our lives. We want to worship and make it big. So I would encourage you, let's be a worshiping church uh, with our giving. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, all we ask you to turn that communication card. I mean, let us know you came. love to connect with you. Uh, if you guys are in need of uh, food, clothing, or shelter, I mean, reach in. The buck's going to pass here in a minute. Uh, there are so many ways to give uh, through our church and uh, online, text to give. There's all sorts of things. I would encourage you to be faithful as the Lord leads and put you in your heart to give just to worship him big in this season. Father, come before you, God, let's pray a blessing on our church. God, let's be a worshiping church. 
got a church that's found faithful to you when the whole world and even people that we, we trust, maybe you're pulling us away from faith. God said, no, 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 for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And uh, we're, we're going to stay on that battlefield, God, knowing that you already won the battle. So thank you for uh, men in the Bible like Gideon. Uh, thank you for uh, just his leadership and that we can see really your kingdom, God. So thank you for God that's faithful, God deserving of our worship, God, that you're the only God, the, the one true God, and that we want to follow you. And God, I pray a blessing uh, on our church, God, this next week. We'll be inviting people out to next uh, next week, Football Sunday. You call people in life groups, call people into missions across the world. And God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise as we worship you. We praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Man, what an awesome morning today. I just encourage you guys, keep living a life of prayer this week. I encourage you to get plugged into a life group. Man, join us next week, one gathering, 10 a.m. for that awesome football Sunday. And hey, don't leave spiritual gold on the table. In that YouVersion app, you've got the talk it over questions. Sean works on those every week. And there's some awesome discussion, conversation starters that you can have with your family. So start that on the drive home today. Start a new habit in 2024. If you need prayer this morning, we have somebody up here that would love to pray for you. And remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. Have a great week. This is the end of this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another inspirational podcast. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com.